And I hope you've had your cup of coffee this morning because that uh, that music is pretty lively here on a Sunday morning. Two double X and the Fuzzy Logic Science Program. Now, uh, have you got something wrong with you? Want to have a look inside and see what's going in that body of yours? Hold on, we just get a large, sharp knife. And oh, oh, hang on, you're not keen on that. I've got a better idea. Let's use some clever imaging instruments because today that is going to be the theme of our conversation. And in the studio we have somebody who is researching that very topic, nuclear medicine. Our guest is Tasneem Rahman and she is a PhD student at the University of New South Wales. Good morning, Tasneem. Good morning, Rod. Uh, thanks for inviting me here, and it's an absolute pleasure being on your show. Oh, it's a great pleasure to have you. We always love talking to interesting people. Now, you certainly are an interesting person, and uh, fuzzy logic uh, regular Madeline Parker. Good morning, Madeline. Good morning, Rod. Thanks for having me back. Oh, of course. We couldn't do without you. <laughs> Now, the nuclear medicine, it sounds like a pretty daunting, a pretty scary topic. Nuclear, I'm thinking of reactors and particles flying around. And bombs. And, and bombs. And, Atomic bombs. <laughs> and bombs. But your, your study, your research is much more benign, much better thing yes. than making weapons. Nuclear medicine, what is it? Yeah, yeah. So just before I start, there is just a correction that I'm done with my PhD. I'm doing my postdoctoral research. Oh, postdoctoral? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh I, 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 I believe, yeah, we missed that at some point. I demoted you. Uh, no. <laughs> a researcher is always a researcher. It doesn't matter which position are you now. So uh, the idea about nuclear medicine, yes, absolutely. That That's the first impression I get from everyone, whoever hears me. Like, oh, okay, you're from nuclear medicine. You must be making atomic bomb or something. <laughs> And uh, I said, no, 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 it's not like that, though it sounds really, really harsh, like the word nuclear. But uh, the benefit of nuclear medicine imaging is um, wonderful. So it's just an imaging technique uh, which helps diagnosing the diseases, and it works in molecular level, and um, it helps diagnosing diseases like cancer, like brain abnormalities, like other psychological disorders as well. So um, that's the... Uh, initial introduction about nuclear medicine well there, there is a whole family of types of instruments and we were talking about this yeah. before the show yeah and I've already displayed some of my ignorance here because I've mixed up all kinds of different technologies Absolutely. so let's do a little bit of an overview there's yeah. nuclear medicine and of course we go to the dentist and we have an x-ray. Is, yeah. is that an example of what you call nuclear medicine? No, no, absolutely not. So um, there is a basic difference in x-ray and CT imaging, though these are all kind of like imaging um, families. I mean, it, it's all part of the imaging families. But uh, just let me let you know about what is nuclear medicine imaging and what sort of things we use there. So what we do is that we take our radioisotope and if you are not really scared then we just inject that radioisotope inside of a human body and then what it does is that it gets mixed with the blood stream inside of that human body and then it starts radiating 
from that radioisotope that got mixed with that bloodstream, you know. And from that radiation, we try to capture that radiation to uh, interpret that into imaging. So you, you're turning the body into a big emitter, basically. And, and uh, the, absolutely, yes. The, the blood system yes. obviously carries yes. it, it around the whole, the, the whole body. And exactly. It, how, how, how deep does it go? Does it stay in, in all the major arteries down the veins, yes. down to the capillaries? Yes, yes it goes everywhere uh, that your blood flows. Okay. But that radioisotope is only captured by the specific metabolism because particular radioisotope captures particular metabolism. For mm -hmm. example, like if you want to have a whole body scanning by nuclear medicine imaging, then there will be radioisotope that goes through whole body. But if you want to have some particular organ scanning, like for brain or like cardiac or for lung, then there are particular radioisotopes that only goes to that part of your body. And then it starts radiating from there, and then we have a scanning camera that captures and uh, trans uh, I mean, translate into imaging. Oh, you know. I've got more questions about that part. Yeah. Let, let's just quickly and make sure that we've categorized our types of instrumentation first. Okay. So you've got the radioisotopes, so yeah. you're turning the body into an emitter, then you've got some sort of like a camera type right. thing. I'm doing right. It's absolutely an camera. Yep. We call it as an gamma camera because that all the emitter that emits, it's particularly gamma rays. Right. So to capture that particular gamma ray, we need gamma camera. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Great term. <laughs> absolutely. Gamma it's, camera. it's pretty easy. See? Oh. Gamma rays, you capture with gamma camera. It's pretty easy. <laughs> I, I, love, yeah. I love cameras. Okay, so that's one category of instrumentation. Yeah. yeah. Now, I had an MRI scan a few years ago. Yeah. That's something different, isn't it? Absolutely. So MRI is uh, more related with electromagnetic waves. So there is no relevancy with radioisotopes. So the imaging technique is completely different comparing to nuclear medicine. And as I recall, it's something to do with spin or something really complicated or... Yeah, yeah, because it works with, um, as I said, like electromagnetic wave. It has that um, um, that uh, that camera that spins a lot that creates that magnetic wave, uh, uh, and that um, uh, that includes in your body. I mean, I mean, it makes. Uh, it makes that electromagnetic wave coming from out of your body. I mean, it, it's something like that, and which is pretty unlikely with nuclear medicine imaging, as I said, that none uh, none other technology that use radioisotope, you know, but like um, other scanning, other scanning techniques. I mean, uh, they have pretty much different, different, just different source. Okay, different but kind the, of the emitter is not inside the body. In no, this, in this no, case. no, okay. no. Other imaging techniques don't have that emission coming from inside of that body. But for example, if I talk about CT and like X-ray, so uh, those kind of sources is outside of that body. You know. Uh, yep. Okay. Yeah. Now let's look at another type. There's uh, ultrasound. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much involved with sound, you know. Uh, that we we make that thing into uh, like we have a very we just have a spectrum. If you go through the spectrum, you will hit through X-ray, you will hit through gamma ray, you will hit through photon, and then um, a photon in different ranges. For example, for X-ray, the photon energy is uh, around like 60 kilo electrovolt, mm -hmm. and if you go for gamma rays, it just starts from 100 
20 to 570 kilo electrovolt. If you go for ultrasound, it's a different, another spectrum. Well, well so ultrasound we, is sound, isn't it? Which yeah, is yeah, electromagnetic. Yeah, yeah, spectrum. yeah. So it's particularly related with sound. And as I said, like not other imaging techniques are only related with radioisotopes. So even though, but most, most interestingly, uh, if I talk about the side effects of those imaging techniques, you know, um, um, we have seen that even though that term nuclear strike it a bit, I mean, to people's mind, like, okay, nuclear, then it, it must be very harsh. But the side effects of nuclear medicine imaging uh, scanning is really, really less than CT or MRI, you know. Ah. And and also uh, also the side effects that you have uh, whenever you go for MRI scanning, it's also uh, huge comparing to nuclear medicine imaging because what have, happens is that after that scanning, that radioisotope that really gets resolved uh, inside of your human body. So you do not have further, uh, further kind of side effects, but when you have it in MRI or like CT or X-ray, and if, even if you, uh, I don't I'm not sure whether you have heard about mammography, like for breast cancer uh, scanning, like people used to go there. So sometimes even it happens that our cancerous cells are pretty much non-active. I mean, they are hidden behind your cells. But sometimes when you go for mammography, it it acti get, gets activated automatically, you know. So that's kind of side effect that someone is just pretty much aware and they go for breast scanning whether they have a cancer or not but after the scanning they actually got that cell activated and they got attacked by cancer you're saying that the scan could could actually activate so many hidden cells so many hidden molecular characteristics. Is this, is this current medical technology you're talking about, or is this? I am. I am talking about the current medical technologies. Yes, that we have advanced a lot, but there are a lot of things that we couldn't overcome yet. And and particularly, if I see the nuclear medicine part, that's really helping um, on those aspects. You know, All right. about now, I'm, imaging. I'm, I'm just thinking of our listeners. Now you're more curious, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm just thinking of the degree of risk here because yeah, yeah. We, we will have listeners who uh, who have had mammograms and so on yeah. should they be concerned about that should they be concerned about mammography absolutely yes i mean uh, prior to go mammography scan i must suggest uh, the patient to discuss more with the doctors i mean uh, to discuss extensively you know like whether at this stage they even need it or not um, uh, not all the uh, imaging techniques are really safe, so they can probably have m a more extensive discussion with them, and they can suggest like whether at this point they can go for it. Whether it's whether it's yeah. warranted. Yeah. Well, yeah. we we could get into the whole realm of medical uh, of diagnostics uh, yes. for, for men, prostate cancer screening is, but that's a whole another topic. I think we might mm. maybe leave that for a, a later a later conversation. Yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking. I was looking at the electromagnetic spectrum last night. Okay. Well, what else do you do on a Saturday? Yeah, yeah. You are apparently becoming physicist. I can, I can see that. Yeah, I have to see my counsellor about that. <laughs> but uh, uh, the term gamma ray, it has yeah. this real aura, like you've got those x-rays and then there's gamma, gamma rays. Gamma rays, yes. Yeah. Uh, just uh, the way it sounds, it has really high range of electro, uh, electrovolts in, in that uh, gamma energy ray. In energy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, so Madeline, have you had any sorts of scans at any stage? You, 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 how would you feel about having one of these scans? I think I don't think I've had any scans, not even an X-ray. I haven't. I've only broken one bone, and I don't think they. Oh, maybe they did. Your thumb? No, oh, uh, my thumb. Yeah, I think they just decided it was broken, and I didn't even get a scan. I just had uh, a plaster. Okay, thing well, on you're, it. you're very. You haven't even had a tooth X-ray. Tooth. Oh, I have. There we go. There's one. Tooth. D- dental X-ray. Dental X-ray. Yeah, uh, that's one I've had. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But but at some point, I think it's in everybody's future, even if we, if we haven't had a scan in the past. So I've had an MRI scan, yes, and then a CT scan. And yes. it was very interesting what what happened. So the the MRI scan, I went into this big thing. It was like a sausage machine, right? Beautiful white thing, and oh, okay. then the noise. Now I was having it because uh, I have a hearing disability, and they were scanning the the cochlea yeah. of my skull. Mm-hmm. They did find something in there, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but the noise inside, it, it was quite ironic. I was having this scan because of my hearing disability, but they were scanning to, to, to try yeah. to determine what was wrong. But the noise in there was it was horrendous. It was like, wow, 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 wow. Bang, 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 bang. It is, it is, it is. I just uh, quickly want to add uh, that the scanning you're having, like X-ray or CTs, so they're uh, mostly giving the anatomic information of your organ size and shape. But whenever you're, uh, you're having that nuclear medicine imaging and scanning, then you're having more like functional information because it works in the molecular level and it shows like from the, from the images, you can see that how your blood flows inside of your organ, and at which point, if there is any kind of malignant organ, then it shows from the imaging color contrast like which part of your organ is actually affected by any, um, ah, any okay. so cancerous. It, 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 my, my interpretation of that is one shows the structure yeah. and one shows the process, yeah. the, act- the activity of something, one's yes. a dynamic view. Yeah. So in, in brain scanning, they have this thing called functional MRI. Exactly. Is that the same sort of thing? Uh, it's, it's kind of similar. It's kind of similar, similar. similar but, but the, the, as I said, the technique particularly is pretty much different because uh, that radiosotope that gets mixed with the metabolism of your brain cells, uh, unlike MRI. Okay, well here on Fuzzy Logic we are peering into your insides all very with uh, great concern for your privacy of course <laughs> U- using non-invasive technology, no knives required uh, which is kind of handy when something goes wrong and you want to know well, why, why are you going deaf, what's that broken bone Now Tasney, before the break we were talking yeah. about what you can learn from this when when would you go what do we learn from this kind of stuff you you were saying that it's a and some of these systems are active they show the systems in motion as it were yeah yeah so um, uh, that particularly happens uh, for other imaging techniques. As I said, it can happen during X-ray, CT, or mammography. But if I drop it down to nuclear medicine imaging, uh, it's not like that because um, for nuclear medicine imaging, that radioisotope only gets captured by that particular metabolism that it attracts to or it is meant to attract. Okay, not all the radioisotope that gets mixed with that particular metabolism. So it's not like that. Uh, there is kind of any hidden uh, metabolism that's going to attract. No, it's only going to attract the ones those are activated. Now, is it because the the 
isotope is attached to a particular chemical. Absolutely. And that chemical is used preferentially yeah. by that yeah. organ. Yeah. So like the brain or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's like in, in in if I go for like brain scanning, then you then you need probably you need like fluor, uh, radioisotope from fluorine more in the brain because that gets attracted to in the brain. But if I go for like lung scanning, then I can use radioisotopes from iodine. So the, the, the lungs use yeah. preferentially one particular chemical. One particular chemical, yeah, yeah. And that's the concentration in that organ shows exactly. where that is it's Exactly, active. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. actually, uh, behind our knowledge, it's uh, really wonderful that our particular organs are actually consisted of particular metabolism that we never knew, you know? Uh, okay, yeah. so you need a really good understanding of the chemistry of your body. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, that's kind of um, um, uh, another interesting fact. When you are having a research in nuclear medicine imaging, you are going to have some understanding about medicine. Sometimes people uh, do confuse me that whether you are a doctor, like you know, whether you are a, a doctor, whether you're a chemist, whether you are an engineer. <laughs> so it's like you are going to have an insight about so many fields and that's how it's really wonderful that you get to know about ah, so, so many you're fields. a wonderful generalist re type of research. Yeah, it's like interdisciplinary uh, fields. Physiology, you've got uh, nuclear physics, biochemistry. Biochemistry, yes, and biotechnology yeah. as well because I need some kind of technological part there. Uh, I need my engineering part as well because of that instrumentation and the processing of that image. I need a background kind of even computer science as well because I need to do coding. Uh, without that, without that, you just uh, can't have the machine uh, without a kind of interpreter, and and that computer uh, is the machine that helps you interpreting from the signals to the image. Yes, that's right because conceptually you've got a system that generates yes. an image yes. and then once you've got the image what do you do with it how do you know what you've got how yeah. do we interpret the image that and I'm guessing like you said uh, there's computer right technology. right so so since um, uh, we are just having uh, this uh, I mean radio shows I cannot show you any kind of oh, picture but here but I can a, I can yeah Tasneem is waving her arms at this yeah. point, so you look carefully into your radio yeah <laughs> So it's like, for instance, when I receive the images, I receive several color contrasts. It can be from, if I just uh, explain simply, it's, it comes from uh, red to green to blue and other several colors. So when we know that the, there is kind of like malignant tissue or like particular that area is actually malignant, then uh, that color becomes red or like more red, you know, and how much it received the concentration, that radiation concentration, depending on that, the color contrast, it and shows in the images. Somebody viewing these images. Absolutely, yeah. It's so, alert to yeah. them. So oh. if it's like blue or like green, then the concentration is really low, which means that that area is not affected. But when it uh, increases the color contrast and uh, it starts beginning like a yellow and red, then we are really concerned about that area. That that something is really there. Yeah. You know. Well, pretty well everybody has some ex experience with cancer. Either you have cancer or you yes. know somebody who has cancer. Yes. Uh, it's such a condition, and and it's quite a scary word, isn't it, cancer? It 
it is. In fact, you know, uh, I have seen so many people. Not I have seen even even if you too, if I talk about about Madeline and you here, that you all have heard about CT, extra MRI, and other imaging techniques as well. Because those kind of imaging we go through our day to the life. You know, for uh, dental X-ray to your 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 CT. You know, it's kind of like that. But for nuclear medicine, I believe all this. People, all those families have heard about the nuclear medicine scanning, like a SPECT scanning or like PET scanning, those who have suffered from cancer. Without having this scanning, you just cannot know what sort of cancer you have and, and which stage you are in. So if I say that for cancer detection, if there is any kind of technology that you can rely on, that is only and only nuclear medicine imaging. Well, at this point, uh, Tasneem, uh, Fuzzy Logic would like to thank you and your research colleagues because yeah. if you know anybody with cancer or you yeah. have cancer yeah. and you have one of these images, you're going to say, I'm really glad we have this technology because Absolutely. there's quite a few of us who would not be alive if we didn't have this kind of help. Yeah. Absolutely, and if I recall uh, the TED talk I did, you know, right after, right the moment I just get off from the stage, and the feedback I started getting, I mean, after my talk, it's like everyone started, I mean, uh, started talking about, oh my God, my uncle had cancer, my my siblings had cancer, my grandma has cancer, it's lot, something like that. And the, the way you said, it's absolutely like that. So I really can relate to your talk. And right from that moment, I started understanding that uh, people, those or the families, those who are having cancer, are really, really worried. Well, this this is a moment when we thank science. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Yes. Now, something really interesting you mentioned there, you did a TED talk. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's very cool. Now, dear listener, you can go and see Tasneem's talk on yeah. TED. It's on yeah. YouTube, I think. Yeah, and the name is Elaspect, What to Expect. What to Expect. <laughs> yes. What was it like doing that talk? Okay, so... Um, my feeling you mean okay <laughs> I was pretty much nervous but I was pretty much happy that I'm educating people about nuclear medicine you know those who are really unaware and um, uh, you know for like cancer we do not have any particular symptom I mean for even if you if you get fever that can end up having a cancer too even if you are vomiting that can having uh, that can end up having a cancer too you know so you never know what sort of particular symptoms you have uh, when you are actually having cancer cell so you go to the doctor and then doctor started testing several other different things rather than testing cancer at first you know rather than getting the SPECT scan and PET scan and now let me tell you like why that happens because nuclear medicine imaging technique is really really expensive technique I mean uh, it is really expensive comparing uh, having the x-ray scan and then spectra scan. It's probably uh, X-ray scan. How how much you had uh, uh, you had Madeline when you had a it was like hundred eighty. It's, it's or something. kind of like hundred right. around. Yeah. But when you are going to have a spectra scan or like PET scan, it goes to thousands. You know, mm. so it's really expensive scanning. And now, once you are having a fever, doctors cannot suggest you to go have a scan, which which really costs a lot. You know, so do what doctors do is that they started scanning in several different ways. And right at the end, when they do not get any specific information, then they get the feeling or the impression that it must be 
uh, cancerous cells there. And at that point, at that very last point, they uh, suggest to have kind of like spectrum scan. Yes, I, I will scan. remember this MRI scan. There was an yeah. entire room, special air conditioning. Yeah. The operators had to stand outside, and this machine was huge. And by the way, I have to put in a little aside here. Yeah. Uh, it relies on helium because it uses supercritical cooled magnets. Yeah. And when I see a party balloon with helium in it, I think that's a finite resource. And the US reserves used to just gas that off because it comes off uh, gas production, I think. And uh, we only have a limited amount of helium. So when yeah. you see a party balloon with helium, think that could be my MRI scan going up there. Just get inside of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. But, uh, now, just go back to your yeah. PhD research and your yeah. current research. Yeah. What exactly? Now we know generally, obviously, it's right. nuclear medicine. Yeah. But uh, what in particular were you looking yeah, at? Yeah, that's uh, that's an uh, that's a great question actually. So uh, the thing I was talking about nuclear medicine that I was talking about pretty much in general, and then um, as I said, like nuclear medicine is related with that gamma ray. So there are two sort of gamma rays that is emitted from that human body. Sometimes it emits it emits based on the characteristics of the radioisotope. So those radioisotopes, those who are in a kind of bit lower in range energy like 120 to like 270 or like 250 energy range that sort of radioisotope emits only single gamma ray so that technique when we use that range of radioisotope we call it single photon emission computer tomography oh i just have to jump in on that point uh yeah. because yeah. I'm just astounded by the way physicists say things like single photon. Oh, yeah. hang on. I'll just grab a photon. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> that, it, that's kind of a mind-blowing concept. Don't absolutely. And, and it's amazing that you, you just cannot see it, you know, but uh, there is something really significant that you are capturing. So that's amazing. Is it really mm. a single photon? It is <laughs> a single photon. <laughs> I'm checking my yeah. head here. You should see. No, even 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 yeah. even now we are we are here in the studio, and you just cannot see that we are living in a micro world. We are having so many things like we are surrounded by bacteria at this moment. Mm. You know, it's just because of our immune system in our body that we are not getting affected to. But we are we are living in the micro world, so you just cannot cannot see uh, any good or bad things. Really, really great well, or worse things. It, I must it, it say, it just is. The universe is amazing. Yeah. Now, I interrupted you. You were about to say what you... Okay, okay. so, yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, um, that is uh, what single photon emission computer tomography is. So, that is kind of a technique of uh, nuclear medicine imaging, as I was saying. So, it does the exact way, the way I explained what is nuclear medicine imaging. But do you ha besides having so many benefits of nuclear medicine imaging, for example, like... The accuracy rate of nuclear medicine imaging is amazing, as I said, mentioned earlier. So, for example, uh, for example, like the accuracy rate of nuclear medicine scanning is around 95%, unlike CT or MRI. When you are having uh, a CT or MRI scanning, then the accuracy rate, so far the stats we get, is around 74%. 74% of what? Uh, accuracy rate. So, so it's like, it's like. Let me tell you what is about accuracy rate first, because when you receive an image, then probably 
even though you are having you are seeing some kind of contrast that you can relate to that that particular area is maybe uh, uh, maybe malignant but at the end of the day you see that okay that was not the area that is malignant so that what i call accuracy rate okay, okay? Yep. so so for ct or uh, mri it's absolutely around 74% but for nuclear medicine it's amazing it's like 95% but besides having that so many benefits uh, we are still worried about nuclear medicine that it's not perfect and the conventional technology that is kind of a spec, the single photon emission computer tomography, it suffers from poor resolution and lower sensitivity. So when I say lower sensitivity, it means that the current instrumentation we have as, as a spec machine, we cannot capture enough radiation to interpret the image properly. So when we didn't have capture enough radiation, uh, we end up having kind of an image which has like poor resolution. Ah, can now I, imagine. So can I translate that into something I know, which is photography? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. if it was low, a low light situation, yeah, exactly. uh, that a, a camera with a good sensor on it can yeah. pick up a scene in. Yeah. When it's, when it's yeah, imagine imagine that when you yeah. end up with a uh, you're trying to have a good photograph, but uh, that's ended up kind of like a blurred picture, uh, and you just cannot figure out where is that particular object. You know, you are trying like to locating it in space. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So so current conventional uh, current spec technology it, it's having poor resolution, and we cannot particularly localize uh, that malignant area. You know, so, so where, that is where is this thing occurring? Where is the thing occurring? Right. And especially, it's pretty much needed because when we go for the cancer treatment, the best treatment we get kind of like um, you know that that therapy. Um, um, uh, so so if you are, if you want to get rid of that cancer cells, you have to demolish that particular area, not the other area. You know, uh, you know, okay. you know that we call it chemotherapy. Yeah. So when they bring out the big sharp knife, that yeah. they're cutting the the bit that yeah. you want them to cut, not the bit you don't want them to cut. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So for for for, for uh, it, it's not particularly the big knife, but uh, it means like that. Yes. For chemotherapy, it's actually that electric uh, radio. Oh, yes, targeted chemotherapy, yes. You want to demolish that particular molecular or particular area, not the other area around, you know. So for that, uh, that particular localization is very important. Uh, Okay. I would like at this point to say a big hello to all the mothers out there because today, of course, is Mother's Day on Fuzzy Logic and we wouldn't be here without mothers. I kind of like mothers, and my mum's still alive. She's 86, I think. Oh, hello, mum. Now, Tasneem, we're on Facebook yeah. and uh, Twitter, I think, if people want to send us a comment or a question. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm happy to answer. It, um, uh, to the listeners, you can ask me anything. I'm happy to answer in my... You can go to my Facebook page. That is Tasneem Rahman. And you can ask me anything that you like. And go for it. Now, you had one comment that you wanted to add about your research just before the song break there. Yeah, so as I was talking about the um, lackings of that conventional aspect and the way I developed it, uh, the whole focus was whether we can receive better sensitivity. That means whether we can capture uh, that radiation in a better way. And then we developed that instrumentation part and we are capturing that uh, in 
in a level, for example, if I say like for the conventional spec, they capture the radiation in a level of hundreds, and the sensitivity we are capturing throughout our developed uh, developed uh, instrument that is capturing in thousand levels. So it's like huge. And when we interpret that into image, we are getting the resolution in less than one millimeter. And you are a photographer, so you know less than one millimeter means the resolution that really looks sharp, isn't it? Yeah. And for other, uh, and for the conventional technique, the resolution they're having is more than like 10 millimeter. So it's quite horrible and blurred, you know. So when we, uh, so the way I have developed that technology is based on light field imaging method. It's um, uh, kind of in the field of optics and um, uh, again as a photographer you know a bit about the optics as well. Yeah, so the bending of the light or camera yeah, rays yeah, in yeah, this case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, inst um, uh, so we did that based on light field imaging method and uh, I named my uh, research as light field aspect. Now we call it L-aspect so if you want to get to know more about L-aspect you can go for for my TED talk and ha have a, uh, more understanding about that. Now you you're in some pretty high tech stuff here, Tasneem. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and it's just really quite amazing and uh, uh, wonderful Thank the you. stuff that you you're doing. Thank w you. What is it that, that got you motivated? How did you get into this in the first place? Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> People often ask me how do you, did you uh, become a scientist you know, or like ended up uh, having a research which is really kind of horrible for other people. Uh, as I said, that, that word nuclear strike at the very first moment uh, they talked to me. So it's sometimes like um, you choose your profession or sometimes like profession chooses you, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, so for me... Um, it's quite different thing. For me, I believe like uh, sport make me a researcher and that is like I'm a big fan of cricket. And do you, can you imagine that uh, having a big fan of cricket may, can end you up making a researcher as well? Uh, well, uh, we, we, we did run and ask Fuzzy about cricket, so there's definitely science in cricket. Yes, it is. It is. But um, uh, but for me, it's more like love of cricket, you know. Well, uh, how, how does your love of cricket translate to a love of nuclear medicine? <laughs> it's, it's not uh, directly related we, uh, like that, but I can say like how uh, really cricket helps me becoming a researcher, and um, it's like, I was a big fan of cricket and and uh, when I was really young in my school days I remember that there were a lot of lot of cricket series that uh, I mean that were going on and I was not allowed to watch any because uh, if you remember or do you do you watch cricket uh, cricket as well mm -hmm. yeah so if you remember like uh, like one day matches it it takes really long time I believe it's like six hours isn't it this is why I don't watch cricket <laughs> <laughs> yeah see so well, for people so many of them do not watch cricket because it's time consuming but I had to manage my parents anyway right so what I used to do is that I used to tell them that during this whole time I'll be doing my mathematics and you need to allow me to watch cricket anyway isn't it <laughs> no. so, so 
I have a I have so I have a background of uh, not having less than hundred percent throughout my secondary and high school, and if you are good in mathematics and in your science courses, you will definitely can end up being a researcher. And I definitely say that I have become uh, I made that to um, uh, good good results in mathematics because of cricket because, uh, <laughs> because of that. Now, was know? this uh, in Australia or was it in India? Uh, so I I originally belong from Bangladesh. Sorry, Bangladesh, yes. beg your pardon. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so you're watching the cricket. Now, when you're watching the, the, the match, yeah. is it the human drama or, or is it that you're analysing what's going on, that this particular part of the field is more active? Absolutely, absolutely. Of, of I, I, I was more interested about Australian cricket team at the time when I was in my school because my father used to prefer Shane Warren. He's an amazing cricketer. If you remember the way he used to bowl, you know, like he's just standing there and he's having that all that swinging. And on the other hand, I used to like Brett Lee, <laughs> who was the uh, first bowler, you know, yeah. and the way he used to uh, throw the ball. And I'm like, how it's getting that swing anyway? And nowadays in our Bangladesh cricket team, we have a fantastic bowler that is Mustafizi Rahman, and in the way he swings his ball in both ways. So behind it, it's basically physics, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, it is. is. So I used to interpret like the all the torque that is going through that ball and all the way it falls, uh, fall, I mean, it drops down on the pitch, you know, and it turns where it should go and whether the batman can ca batsman can understand uh, like where, which way it's going or not. If that batsman it, uh, would be uh, would be a bit of a knowledgeable in physics, then it's easy for them that where that ball is going. So <laughs> So it's it's the skill but it's but it's skill. also the physics. So Absolutely, in, yeah. In that ask fuzzy we were saying that you've got about four hundred milliseconds after yes. the ball bounces coming down the the wicket towards you. And yeah. that ball is really it's booking. It is, it is, it is. So, so imagine that as a batsman, if you are a physicist, you actually particularly know where that ball is going for, you know, and you can become that legendary batsman any anyway. I, I think it's amazing that the way the human mind can process information, and it's yes. kind of happening at the subconscious level that that somehow exactly. it, it, it's doing. Um, inverted commas calculations of some sort and the, the ball is flying towards you and somehow you can swing that bat put the energy in it and the ball hits the the bat yeah. and within what was it 100 millis yeah it's it's like 120 yeah, yeah. tiny amount of time yeah. it's going 100 kilometers per hour in one direction yeah and then a fraction of a second later it's going 100 kilometers now in the opposite direction Okay. <laughs> Where? Yeah. And 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 I think Madeline Madeline relates uh, that science thing more with arts as well. Oh, art. Yes. yes. And 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 I, I, just this early morning, I was talking with Madeline that uh, I know that Madeline plays guitar. I do. And <laughs> and, and uh, people often ask me, oh, okay, you're a scientist, so you're no good with uh, with um, arts or or sports, you know. But I say uh, I, I say that you even cannot play guitar if you do not know physics anyway. But there's also something like Madeline. Yes, you, you you do play the guitar, and I've and I'm looking at you with a with an eye um, squinting at you. <laughs> 
we're going to get you into the studio with a guitar, and you can you can sing too, can't you? I can, I guess. Yep. <laughs> I've, I've heard you sing, Madeline, at least on a recording, and uh, yeah. we, we've got to get you performing Back. in this in, in the studio. What, what's your take on that on art and science? Because you also run this art sci forum. I do. So growing up, I was always considered to be more of an artist child. Yeah. Me and my mum always had projects. We're always doing creative things. And then I got to high school, and I was yeah. kind of thinking about my future a lot more. And it seemed that I could go down the science path or down the arts path. Yeah. And I felt like the science path was going to help me contribute more to the world. And, and I kind of removed arts from my curriculum at school and I didn't do a lot of art for a long time and I stopped learning instruments yeah, and yeah. I didn't do a lot of music because I felt this divide between them and this choice I had to make but going through my science degree and, and sports as well like yeah. sports and science and art all seem kind of separate but like you were saying the sports really helped you to do your maths better yeah. like when you're fit and well and healthy your brain works better and you can be a better researcher Absolutely, or yeah. artist and when you are creatively using that kind of creative skill that you've got it can make you a better researcher too yeah. because you're thinking a lot more and art and science and sport as well they all contribute to each other in so many ways yeah, including like yeah right. so do you do you see the creativity in science yeah definitely Absolutely. like well, is there an example that sticks out for you no no you imagine that that the image uh, image processing i do it's it's basically an art it's a form of art it's absolutely the way you do or take the photography isn't it and do you, do you see a beauty because art is really about an aesthetic thing we yes. we, we admire the shape we, we, and the color we always neglect signs that it's not beautiful in terms of art but it is we just mm. couldn't interpret in that way maybe and and whenever people are stuck into whether uh, they want to define themselves, okay, I'm not an artist, I'm just a scientist. I just show them, look at Einstein. He was a, a, a player, you know, he was a violin, a violin player, and, and, and uh, he always said that that's the thing that helped him becoming a physicist. Well, I, I just think of some of the crazy ideas that science has come up with. You think, mm. well, that's creativity, isn't it? It is, it is yes. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. Now, uh, just uh, there's a long story, but I'll give you the short version. Yeah. I had a Doppler shift ultrasound years ago because I had, <laughs> okay. I, I had, a, I had yeah. a heart murmur, which is completely benign. I'm, I'm fit as. But uh, I remember, and I was craning, I uh, lying on the hospital bed, craning my eye to look at the screen of this Doppler shift ultrasound. Yeah. Now, what it does is it shows the, the motion of blood through the heart. Okay, yeah. And they wanted to check that I have a technical term, a <laughs> tricuspid heart valve, not a bicuspid, so that's three leaves, not two. There's a, there's a common deformity where people only have two leaves in their heart valve, right? Yeah. And I'm watching this blood flowing through, and, and it's blue as it's going away from you, and red is coming towards yeah, you. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, 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 based on the archery, yeah. Yeah, and so it's colour shifted according to how the blood is flowing inside the heart, and the heart, and I can see the leaf of my heart valve fluttering backwards and forwards and going, yay, keep keep at it, guys. <laughs> but it was wonderful, this beautiful blue and green, uh, blue and red image and my heart's thumping away. Yeah. What a wonderful thing. And uh, along the way, of course, I was learning that I'm actually healthy. 
that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know there there is a kind of a museum. I just forgot the name at this moment. I have issues with naming, remembering the names. So there is a museum based on X-ray imaging, and where that uh, that technologist has transferred that images into art. Like he gets the X-ray of beautiful art. It's not about the disease, you know. Well, there's there's something about science like we we talk about it being the facts and the cold hard data and people in lab coats wear and you know, funny looking glassware yeah. and tables of complicated figures and so on. But there's the emotion, there's the sense of, wow, isn't that just beautiful? I love that, and I'm amazed. And I think we underplay that in science. Would you would you agree? Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah. We should, and we encu- we should encourage. Uh, I think our kids more uh, regarding this fact that we cannot uh, we cannot omit arts uh, uh, to do science, and we cannot omit science to do arts. It's particularly the same thing. It's just uh, the, the different face of a coin. So it's like you can choose anything, and 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 everything is beautiful. Well, Tasneem, you 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 put that. Qu- oh, you pointing to your. Have we got a a, a question, or you've looked something up on your? T- there? So it's like the it's like the Australian Society for Medical Research. We were also going to. Oh yes, yes. We've got to give a plug to the uh, conference you have coming up. Yeah. I was I was full flight. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, uh, time flies. I, I, I yeah. It does. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get you to to plug that in a moment. But um, what I was going to say was in your TED talk, it comes across very nicely because you say that there's the intellectual challenge, there's the science, the hard parts of it. Yeah. But then there's the fact that you are doing something that changed people's lives, so the people who are sick or I people who are so. suffering. Yes. And so there's the art, but also what we do for people. Yeah, you know, um, that small word is ouch. That really makes a big change in your life when you see your friends or family suffering from cancer. You know, and right, as I said, just mentioned that right, right after the moment I get off from the TED stage, and everyone used to came and said, "Oh my God, you're just working on Elastic at this time." I mean, on 2017 around. I mean, my just my grandpa just died uh, 2015. Why didn't you start working 2015? So that simple ouch in people's life, I believe, like that's gonna change a lot uh, over the period of time. That's beautiful. So we we celebrate now. There's an event coming up in June, I think it is, uh, and it's. I'll let you give the details. Yeah. What What do we have? It's a conference. So, uh, so besides having my um, my research based on nuclear medicine imaging, I also um, um, I'm also a convener, deputy convener in Australian Society for Medical Research. So it's just another another side of me. Uh, so we host a um, new investigator forum conference each year uh, as part of Medical Research Week across Australia from Australian Society for Medical Research, and I'm uh, I'm being the deputy convener for the um, for the Australian Capital Chair. A state, like I mean, the city estate. So uh, I just want to inform the listeners uh, about the upcoming conference we are going to have. That is New Investigator Forum, and that's going to occur on 7th June 2018 at um, the John Cartney School of Medical Research, ANU. So uh, I believe uh, it's it's um, in, uh, it's mostly big for the young scientists, young researchers, and those who are willing to pursue their uh, their future in, in a scientific field. So anybody field. who's 
interested in anybody. medical technology? Anybody, yes. Now, we uh, just a quick plug for an upcoming Fuzzy Logic because yes. uh, uh, we have a medical researcher who specialises in uh, antibiotic resistance and so on, and uh, I'll be here on the show in the end of June yes. as Professor Frank Bowden yes. has written a really interesting book about diseases. Okay. And uh, I'll let him know as well. Yeah, yeah, but, sure, sure. But any any researchers in particular? Any any researchers in particular? And and uh, the good thing about ASMR is we are integrating people or integrating researchers from several different fields. It's from the uh, academia, it's from industry, it's from the government people. So each year or like in each event we are going to have a combination of three speakers and the beautiful part is that we do not invite these speakers to talk about, only talk about their research. What we do that because our focused audience is the young scientists. So what we do is that we, we, we allow those speakers to talk about about their success and beside that we allow them to talk about their failures because unless you do not know how you failed and how did you overcome your failure you never know how you're gonna succeed oh that's a wonderful thing yeah so for mm -hmm. for particularly for young scientists those who are dreaming about uh, they sh they would be very much benefited about with these speakers you know I found that when I was a young scientist, yeah. one of the hardest things was getting through this three-year degree and right. where everything seems so certain and you're reading things out of textbooks and everything's explained yeah. to you and then you get into the lab and everything goes wrong. Like 90% uh, of the time, yeah. everything goes wrong. <laughs> and I remember my honours group, our friends, we were all yeah. like, why is this going wrong? Is there something wrong with us? Like, are we doing this wrong? But everyone yeah. was having problems. And exactly. It's just how it I goes. Re I really like the fact that you... you I actually wrote a, 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 an article about uh, mistakes and why they are important. Right, right. And that's a, that's a really nice plug for our column in the, uh, in the Canberra Times Fairfax today, yeah. Tasneem, because uh, you know, I'm talking about logic, uh, the logic of the philosophy of uh, Aristotle, believe it or not, and he catalogued a whole series of ways in which you can make errors of logic and why that's important. So check out the, the, the newspaper today. Oh, we have a, a tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, um, I have uh, like several questions, but I would uh, just try to answer quickly for the two questions. Uh, one I got uh, from a person called Mahidi Hassan, and the question is, what is the benefit of SPECT in early stage cancer detection? You've got a minute. I got a minute, I guess. <laughs> so, um, so for cancer, the most important part is that you cannot omit it from your life. It's going to happen at any time of your life, and uh, that is reasonable. But the way we can reduce the number of deaths of uh, cancer, that if we can detect that early. So early detection means that prospects of having early treatment and you can get rid of cancer rather than dying. Mm -hmm. But the problem is we are uh, having detected the cancer in like a stage three or four. At that point, we do not have any particular way so to treat that it, cancer. So get it before it metastasizes, before yeah, it spreads so, through yeah, the body. Yeah, exactly. And for that, that is why SPECT is very important for the early detection of cancer. Once you know that you got the cancer detected at your stage one or two, you can get removed from it. So that's a particular... Oh, uh, well, there you go. And thank you for that question. Was yeah. there another? We have 50 seconds now. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I want to uh, want to answer this question. That is a question from all the way from Bangladesh, and they were asking when that elastic technology is coming in Bangladesh as well. <laughs> I just want to assure them anytime soon in my research life, definitely. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's a wonderful thing, and uh, of course, a lot of these things become cheaper and more accessible as they mature. So, but I yeah. guess it will always be fairly expensive. We've run out of time. Oh, yeah, is it? Okay. Time always goes fast. 